You're listening to You Asked For It, a sermon series based on questions submitted by you. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how we doing, Elevate? We're doing good? Yeah? Hey, it is good to see you. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them good job. Yep. Tell them everybody else in here probably wanted to sit by you, but they won the honor. Good job. Good job. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad that you are here. We are in a series that we have titled, You Asked For It. What we've been doing is giving you guys an opportunity to submit questions or topics that you'd like to hear a message on. I want to, continue, I want to encourage you to continue to submit those questions and topics. You can do so by grabbing an information card in your seat and just writing it on that, that, uh, that card and then dropping it in one of our offering drop boxes. Even if we don't address it in this series, you never know, it might turn into an entire series on its own. So you ask for it. Now as we start today, I'm just kind of curious if you've ever been talking to someone uh, who really thought they knew what they were talking about, but in all actuality, they didn't have a clue. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I think it happens to us uh, all from time to time. I remember uh, about 10 years ago, Amanda and I, we were uh, sitting at the house on a Saturday afternoon, and somebody came knocking on the door. And so I went to the door, and I answered the door. And when I got there, there was this guy who was wearing a, a, a shirt and a tie, a long sleeve shirt and a tie, and he was wearing pants too. That would have been weird. Anyway, uh, so he was wearing he was wearing dress clothes, and so uh, it was obvious that uh, he had been sweating. You know how hot Mississippi summers can be. So it was a summer day, and uh, he was sweating like bad. I mean, you know, either he was sweating real bad, or he had gone swimming in somebody's pool with all of his clothes on. Uh, but he was sweating. He's wearing he's wearing uh, uh, all these dress clothes. He's walking door to door. And he's selling this, this cleaner. He's selling some sort of cleaner. And so uh, you could tell that he was excited about this cleaner. I mean, he was telling me that this is the best thing since sliced bread. He said, if you purchase this product, you're going to wonder how you lived your life without this product before. And uh, I'm, so I'm there. You know, he's like, he's like, man, you can use this cleaner for anything. It'll clean your carpets. It'll clean your furniture. It'll clean your windows. It'll clean your clothes. It gets out mud. It gets out dirt. It gets out grime and grease. And then he looked at me and said, it'll even get out blood, blood in your clothes. And it got kind of awkward for a moment, you know. Uh, and so then he looked at me and said, in case you're a hunter. And then he kind of gave me a wink, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, he's about to kill me. Uh, but anyway, so it got awkward for just a second. So he's super excited about this product. I mean, he is pumping it up. He's pumping it up. And it, it, to me, it sounds like it's magic. You know what I mean? And, and if you don't know this about me, I love magic. I really do. Um, man, I flip out when I see a magic trick. Not like the magic cards, but like magic tricks. People pulling rabbits and stuff out of their hat. Anybody else you're like that? A couple, couple years ago, I went to a church conference and there was this guy there. He took a long rope and he, he cut that rope into three pieces. And then he made those three pieces come back into one piece. Man, you talking about my mind was blown. I was like, what? And so anyway, this guy, he's talking about this cleaner. I mean, it'll get mud out, dirt out, grease out, all this, all this stuff out of your clothes. And I'm thinking, man, this is a magic trick. And he goes, it'll even get permanent markers out of your clothes. And I was like, man, this, what kind of sorcery is this? Permanent markers? You know what I mean? It's going to get it out of there? And so he's like, I'm serious. I said, well, show me. He said, well, I don't have a permanent marker. 
I said, that's okay, I'll go find you one. So I went back inside, and I'm looking all over the house for a permanent marker. Man, it's like, what are you doing? I was like, dude, there's this guy out there. He's got this product, and it'll get permanent marker out of your clothes. It's going to change our life. You know what I mean? And Amanda's like rolling her eyes at me because she knows how I get. And so I take this permanent marker back out to this guy, and he's, I was like, here, right? Dude, you know, show me it'll get permanent markers out of your clothes. And he's like, are you serious? I was like, well, you said it would do it. And so he says, okay. So he takes that permanent marker. He's wearing a white button-up shirt. And so he takes that white, that permanent marker, and he writes on that on that sleeve, you know, and there it is, permanent marker, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm just excited like a kid. All right, here we go. And so he gets this spray, and he's like, tsh, tsh, tsh. he sprays his sleeve, and then he starts wiping it real hard, and then he gets a paper towel, and he, and, he, and he blots it off, and I'm like, but the marker was still there, you know what I mean? The marker was still there, and you could tell he was like, man, what in the world's going on? So he got some more of that cleaner, and he's like, tsh, tsh, and then this time he's rubbing it with force. You know what I'm saying? He's really trying to get that out of there. And so he, he, he stops rubbing it. He gets that paper towel, wipes it off, and that marker is still there. And by this time I'm like, man, this stuff, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So I really did. I felt bad for the guy because he messed up his shirt, even though it was all sweaty already. So I gave him $20 and said, hey, man, I'm not going to buy your product. Uh, but he was super excited about this product. He was like, man, this is going to take permanent marker out of your clothes. But the truth is he didn't know what he was talking about. He didn't know what he was talking about. I mean, now, wouldn't you agree that it's important for us to know what we're talking about before we try to sell somebody something? Wouldn't you agree with that? Wouldn't you agree that it's important for us to know what we're talking about when it comes to something that's really going to leave a mark? I mean, I do. And so the question that we're going to look at today is a very important question. I mean, it's really, really, really important. And it's kind of a mix of several questions that were submitted that have to deal with how we live our life and Christianity in general. And so we've kind of blended them all together to get this question right here. And the question we're going to look at today is what does following Christ look like? What does following Christ look like? Because this question this question, we need to know the answer to. We do. If, if we really want to tell other people how to follow Christ, wouldn't you agree that we need to know how to follow Christ ourselves? Wouldn't you agree that we need to know what we're talking about when it comes to this question? We don't need to think we know. We need to fully understand. And so one of the most familiar passages in God's Word is John 3.16. You have probably heard it once or twice, maybe seen it at a football game or something like that. But that verse says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That verse right there really is an amazing verse. It's a verse that says that God loves you, he loves me, he loves each and every one of us so much that he gives his son so that we can have a relationship with him. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with everyone. And relationships are great, right? How many of y'all would like to have good relationships? You'd like to have good relationships? But how many of y'all would just admit today that you got some pretty jacked up relationships in your life? Yeah, I mean, we all do. Well, y'all all got that Facebook friend, you know, that you'll see post something online and you're like, oh, that's so cute. I love that. But I ain't liking that. I hate that person. You know what I'm saying? Anybody like that? You know what I mean? You know, we got some jacked up relationships. And so exactly what kind of relationship is it that God is inviting us to have? What does it look like? Well, Jesus, God's son, he not only invites us to have a relationship with him, he really defines what this relationship looks like. We're going to look at one verse today. One verse is really where we're going to be all day, and it's Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, we're going to refer to it a lot, but here's what the Bible says. 
It says, and he, Jesus, was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, those are the words of Jesus. If you were actually looking at a printed Bible, those words are probably in red. Again, those are Jesus's words. And in this verse, what Jesus says about following him is very, very, very important. But the problem is, is that in this verse, Jesus refers to some things that you and I aren't really familiar with. Jesus refers to some things that really aren't in our society anymore. And because we don't really understand those things, we run the risk of not understanding what Jesus is saying when it comes to following him. And so this question again, what does following Jesus Christ look like is very important. And so I'm going to be honest with you, what Jesus says here too is very difficult. Because what it requires is you and I really, really, really defining our commitment to him. And our understanding of this, of this verse right here is what's going to make us authentic followers of Christ. Our understanding of this verse is what it really means to hold to the truths and the teachings of Christ Jesus. What this verse really says is that if we understand it, we're going to be much more effective when it comes to reaching people who are far from Christ. Think about the early church. Think about the first believers. Think about the people who heard Jesus's words right here. They were much more effective than we are today. Wouldn't you agree? And they lived in a time where it was much more challenging than our time. They had less finances. They had less credibility. They were in a, a, an extremely hostile culture. But within two generations, they really won their world. Why? It was their understanding of this verse. And so in answer to the question, what does following Jesus look like? I want to point out four things to you today. Four things to you. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing that I want you to see about following Christ is that following Christ is an open invitation. Following Christ is an open invitation. Now, how many of you have ever heard of a place called uh, Roswell, New Mexico? Anybody ever heard of that? Uh, if you've ever seen that the movie that had Will Smith in it that was based off of a true story, um, Independence Day, y'all seen that? Based off a true story, it's where uh, Will Smith shoots down an alien craft and he takes that alien all the way to Roswell, New Mexico. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's a true story, right? I mean, at least that's what I thought it was. But anyway, so I was reading this past week about Roswell, New Mexico. And, uh, and so, I don't know if you know this or not, but there was a Honda dealership in 2007 in Roswell, New Mexico that wanted to do what they could to really generate some business. And so what they said they were going to do is they were going to send out a direct mailer to every home, every business, every every resident, every individual was going to get this mass mailer and it was going to be a type of fake lottery where you had to scratch off something on the on the on the piece of paper to see if you won. Now, 99.9% of the people who got one of these mailers, they weren't going to win. You know, they might win something like a free hot dog, a free balloon, 2% off of the sale price of a new car. But there was only going to be one grand prize winner. One grand prize winner was going to have the opportunity to win $50,000. So this Honda dealership, the owner, contacts a company in Atlanta, Georgia, that does this thing for a living. That's what they do, mass mailers. And so they say, look, we want to send out something to every home, every apartment, every business, every resident, every individual. We want them to get this. Can you do this? And they say, absolutely. The only problem was that when the owner of that dealership called this business, this business's proofreader 
wasn't coming in that week. And so when they actually printed the flyer, the mass, the mass mailer, and sent it out to every home, every business, every apartment, every individual, instead of having one grand prize winner, they had 50,000 grand prize winners. 50,000 grand prize winners. It was estimated that the cost to this dealership was over $50 million. But the problem with the whole thing was that no one actually claimed their grand prize. No one. See, what happened for most people when they got it, they didn't believe it. I mean, we'll be honest, how many of y'all get something in the mail from a car dealership, you know, and you look at it, and what, you don't even engage in it. What do you do? You just, you just throw it in the trash, right? You just throw it in the trash. You just get rid of it. Then the people who did engage in it, and they scratched off and saw that they were a winner, what they saw was like husbands would see that their wives were a winner, and that their 18-year-old son was a winner, that their neighbor was a winner, and that their Uncle Chuck was a winner. And everybody knows Uncle Chuck's not a winner, you know what I'm saying? So they thought, you know what, none of us are winners, and they just threw it in the trash when they found out they were all winners. No one cashed it in. The point is, is that many of us bring that exact same type of mentality to Christianity and to what it means to be a follower of God and our understanding of who God is. And so Jesus starts off this claim to follow him in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I want you to look at it. Jesus says, if anyone, if anyone, in other words, anyone means everyone. Anyone means everyone. So we're all grand prize winners in regards to what Christ has actually done for us. Every single one of us have received an exclusive invitation to be grand prize winners and to participate in what it is that God has done for us. But many of us look at that invitation and say, nah, can't be right. Can't be true. We look at it and we don't even read the promise. We just, sometimes we throw it in the trash. Nah, that can't, that can't be right. How many of y'all would just admit that you're in the I, I never win anything club? Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Man, I'm in that club. I don't ever win anything. I've been trying to win the, the dream home giveaway, giveaway from HGTV for years. Anybody with me right there? Every day I'm signing up. Twice a day you can do it really actually. And so I've tried that. I don't win nothing. Man, I bought a raffle ticket from some girls in the neighborhood that were sell, selling something for soccer. I didn't win anything. I mean, I've, been, I've, been, I've even been tried the publisher's clearance house and I haven't won anything. I just never won win anything. Anybody else? You just never, you never win anything. Well, the problem is that many people bring that mentality into their relationship with God. And they think, you know what? God can't really mean anyone. God doesn't want me. I'm not a winner. Think of the crowd that Jesus is speaking to in this passage. Jesus is looking at a crowd of people who the religious institutions have said, you can't, you can't come in and be a part of us. The, he's talking to people who rabbis have said, no, there's no way that we want you. There's no way that you can follow us. Jesus is looking at a group of people that the government wouldn't even allow to come in and be leaders for them. He's looking at people who were considered social outcasts. And Jesus says, if anyone, he is saying, you can follow me. They were shocked. The problem with that verse, though, is that Jesus uses the word if. If. It's a small word, but something that I've noticed when it comes to studying the Bible is that oftentimes it's the smallest words that have the most theological meaning to us. It's the smallest words that are the most important. And that word if means that you and I have a choice. We have a choice. If anyone, not everyone must, 
if anyone. See, you might think that you can't be a grand prize winner, that you can't participate in what it is that Christ has done for you. You say, you know what? I can't follow Christ because of my past. I can't follow Christ because of what has been done to me. I can't, I can't follow Christ because of what I have done. I can't follow Christ because of the things that I have said. I can't follow Christ because there are things about me that no one actually knows, but that's not true because God knows our deepest and darkest secrets. He knows what you did, when you did it, why you did it. He knows your darkest secrets. He knew the darkest secrets about everyone he was speaking to in this crowd. And he says the message, if anyone, if anyone. And so God says this very same thing to you and to me. Remember John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you see that word world? That word, whoever, anyone, anyone means everyone. So in Luke 9, 23, when Jesus says, if anyone, we've got to really ask the question, does that mean me? Does that mean you? Does it mean us? And the answer is yes. Why? Because God can't lie. God cannot lie and anyone can follow Christ. There is this open invitation. Not only is there an open invitation, not only does following Christ involve an open invitation, but the second thing that I want you to see, following Christ involves a passionate pursuit. It involves a passionate pursuit. How many of you like to go to the gym and work out? I'm right there with you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Pastor Tommy, he likes, to, he likes to work out. He gets up early in the morning and he goes and works out. Man, not me. I hate it, okay? I hate it. Uh, and it might be because I have ADD or something. I don't really know. But when I would go, I would go and I would start off on the treadmill, you know, and I'd be starting off walking, you know, and then after a little while you start running, you know what I mean? And then after a while you're like bored out of your mind because you're looking at the same thing, the wall, the window, you know what I'm saying? You're just like, man, this is good for me. It's supposed to be good for me, but I hate it. Anybody else, you know what I'm saying? So you try to swap it up, you know, and you say, hey, I'm not going to do the treadmill this time. I'm going to do that elliptical. Anybody do the elliptical? Man, I think it's so weird. It makes your body move like in these weird unnatural, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? So you do that and then you're like, man, this is weird. It's supposed to be good for me, but I hate it. You know what I mean? So you're like, I, I know for me, I tried the stationary bike. Anybody ever try that stationary bike? You get in there and you know, you're, you're, you're paddling, not paddling, pedaling. That's the right word. Yeah. You're, if you're paddling, that's really weird. Anyway, so you're pedaling, you're pedaling, you know what I'm saying? You're just looking at the wall or maybe the TV and it's stuck on some channel. You don't even want to watch. You know what I'm saying? You're like, man, this is supposed to be good for me, but I hate it. I hate it. So I thought I would never enjoy really riding a bike uh, because I didn't like riding a stationary bike. But then I got a bike, okay? And now I don't ride my bike all the time, but I do love riding an actual bike. Why? Because when you're riding an actual bike, things are happening, right? The wind is in your, the wind is in your face, you know what I'm saying? I can ride with my kids, and I can race my kids, you know what I'm saying? And I smoke my kids. Man, my kids aren't faster than me on a bike. They're not. I, they're not. I can, I can destroy them. I remember Brianna one time, she was trying to race me. Man, I smoked her. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't going to happen. She wasn't going to beat me. And so, you know, when you're riding an actual bike, you know, you can try things like no hands. You know what I mean? If you're at the gym, you know, and you're riding a stationary bike, it's not that impressive if you take your hands off the bike, right? But on a real bike, man, it's like, man, this is awesome. You can, you can ride no hands. And so when I'm riding my bike with my kids, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm working out. I'm not. I'm not thinking that. You're living with 
passion. When you're on a stationary bike, you're like, it's supposed to be good for me, but I hate it. You know what I mean? But when you're, when you're on the bike, there's something different about that. Well, here's what I want you to understand is that for some of us, when it comes to following Christ, we're on the stationary bike. We think, man, I'm supposed to do this. I, I know it's good for me. I guess I got to go to church every week. Well, maybe not every week. I'll just go twice a month. I said I'd probably be good enough. I got to read my Bible. Well, maybe if I just download the app, that'll work, you know, on my phone. I got to pray sometimes. You know, I got to witness. No, 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 that's way too radical. It's good for me, though. I just got to do this. We're just on the stationary bike, and that's not a, a passionate pursuit. It's not. On the other hand, there are some people here who, man, you are living the life of faith. I mean, you're going downhill, you're going off-road, you're jumping, you know what I'm saying? You're doing all this crazy stuff. You're living, you're living life, no hands. Take the wheel, Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. I mean, you're, you're ha- you're, you are living a life of faith. I remember one time I was racing Brianna on, on our bike, and I was talking all kinds of trash to her. You'll never be me. You'll never be me. And as I'm talking, this bug flew into my mouth, and I, I, about, I about died, you know what I'm saying? Because I swallowed it, and I needed to throw up, and I was like, Ugh, and I got that wobble wheel. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I felt over, skint my knee up. But you know what? I got right back up. Why? I didn't get right back up because somebody told me to. I got back up because I had a passion to do it. I love spending time with Brianna. Beating her is just an extra, an extra thing, but I did it because I love it. Well, following Jesus, following Jesus shouldn't be about just doing it because it's good for you. We do it because we love it. Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, watch this. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me. To what? Come after him. Come after him. He doesn't say if anyone wants to sit around and wait on me to call them, if someone wants to sit around and wait on me to answer their questions and their concerns. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, we have an opportunity to come after after Jesus, and we need to pursue him. We need to seek first the kingdom of God, and we need to do it with passion. That's what Christianity, really following Christ, should be like. It's not, I'm just doing it. I just got to do it. It requires a passionate pursuit. We don't do it because our parents tell us to do it. We don't do it out of obligation. We do it because we're passionate about it. Think about the things in your life that you're passionate about. I ain't trying to pick on anybody. I like to hunt. I really do. I haven't killed a deer in three years. If anybody wants to take me to kill something, that'd be really great. But anyway, uh, well, eat, I like to eat deer, not just kill them. Anyway, uh, so I, I will cook them first. Anyway, uh, so, uh, but how many of you know when you're hunting, you know, you're real passionate about that. Think about what hunters do. I mean, they'll, 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 they'll get passionate, right? They wake up early in the morning, got to go hunting. They'll, they'll change the way they dress. They'll change the way they talk. Change the way you talk. They'll even change the way they smell, right? They'll use like dough urine, you know, they'll put it all around them. I'm gonna put this out there, it's gonna get me that good buck, gonna come in here, we're gonna shoot it and kill it, it's gonna be great. Man, think about how weird that really is. I've done it too. You would not use urine to attract any other thing in your life, right? Single men, if you're putting urine out in your yard hoping that some single woman is gonna come to your house, it ain't happening. It's not. If you are doing that, that's why you're single, okay? So stop it. Let's stop it. But hunters, they get passionate. Sports fans, they get passionate. Sports players, they get passionate. We're all passionate about something. Well, here's what I want you to understand is that God deserves that kind of passion and more from us. He deserves our passion. 
He wants us to live a life of adventure. He says, come after me. Come after me. Are we coming after him? The question that many of us need to be asking ourselves is, what passions do we currently have that are keeping us from passionately pursuing Christ? Because Christ wants us to love him above all and before all. It involves a passionate pursuit. So following Christ is an open invitation. Following Christ involves a passionate pursuit. The third thing, if you're keeping notes, I want you to see is that following Christ requires a total surrender. A total surrender. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but in some uh, parts of the world, monkeys are really considered uh, a, pretty, a pretty big nuisance, a, a pest. And so they catch monkeys sometimes and they relocate them. And do you know how they catch a monkey? No, Robert, tell us. Okay. Uh, and so what they do is they take a coconut. And they put a hole in the end of the coconut, and then they carve everything out of the coconut. They carve everything out of the coconut, and they make that hole just big enough for the monkey to get his hand in that coconut. Then they drill a small hole on the other side of the coconut, run a rope through it, and tie uh, that rope in a knot. Okay, And so then they put the coconut out, and they put some peanuts in it, and then the people, they go and hide, and they wait for the monkeys to come. And so the monkeys come, and you know the monkeys. They're looking around, you know what I'm saying? They're making sure no humans are there. They're looking around. They're, looking, they're making, sure, making sure no humans are there. And when they feel like they're safe, they'll, they'll, they'll see that coconut. And they'll put their hand in that coconut, and they'll, they'll feel that peanut. And you know what they do? They grab a hold of that peanut. And when they grab a hold of that small thing of that peanut, they're stuck. They're stuck. That's what happens. They, they, they get stuck, and someone begins to pull on that rope, and that monkey is caught. Well, I know that you're smart enough to figure this out, that the monkey could get away easily if he would just let go. If he just let go, if he wanted to get away, all he has to do is let go. Well, look at what Jesus says in Luke 9, 23. He says, if anyone, which means everyone, wishes to come after me passionately, he must deny himself. What does deny mean? It means a total surrender, or in other words, letting go. Let go. See, what happens to so many of us is we grab hold of little things, small things that imprison us. The, the capture of our heart happens when we allow little, little pleasures, little desires, little obsessions to become bigger than God. That's what happens. We grab the little things, and those little things cause us to miss the big thing. Those little things cause us to miss those big things. And there are so many little things out there. It could be a relationship you don't need to be in. It could be some sort of addiction. It could be, it could be some, sort, some sort of ambition, a hurt that you refuse to let go of. Ego, pride, lust, greed. It's this tiny little thing that we grab hold of and we think it's ours. We think, I deserve this. I'm not letting it go. And while we grab hold of it, that rope, that sin, it just grabs us and it pulls us and Jesus begins to walk and we don't have within us the capability to follow him because we won't let go. Because we won't let go. Jesus doesn't ask us to let go of those things because he's trying to rob us of our joy. God is the God of joy. He says, deny yourself so that you can get the big thing. Well, what is the big thing? It's the same thing for you and the same thing for me. It's for you and I to live in freedom. To live in freedom. 
If, if you and I really want to live our lives free, we have to follow the God who designed us and created us. We've got to let go of those small things in this life and follow the great things. See, for, for some of us, we think Christianity is just try harder. I'm just going to try harder and try harder and try harder and try harder. And we wonder why it's not working. You listen to me. Try harder Christianity will never work. The only Christianity that truly works is total surrender. The only Christianity that works is to let go, to let go of the small things, to let go of the things that are imprisoning us, this little desire, this little pleasure, this little thing. Let go and follow Christ. That's the only Christianity that works. That's what it means to follow Christ, to deny yourself. So what have you given up to follow Christ? What is it that you need to let go of that's keeping you from following him? Because following Christ is an open invitation. It involves a passionate pursuit. It requires total surrender. And the fourth thing, if you're keeping notes, you want to write it down, that I want you to see following Christ means an everyday death. An everyday death. I asked my boy Gary White to bring me a chainsaw in church today. And he said, man, has somebody finally made you snap, you know? And I was like, you just have to see Sunday. So, uh, so anyway, uh, you know, how many of y'all, I mean, this is a chainsaw right here. And so I'm not going to chase anybody around, but I am going to crank it. Just kidding. I'm not going to crank it. I want y'all to use your imagination. How many, first off, how many of y'all know that a chainsaw is very dangerous? Very dangerous. So, like, I mean, how many of y'all ever seen, you probably don't watch it, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know what I'm saying? It's not good. How many of y'all remember Jason Voorhees, you know what I'm saying, Friday the 13th? You know what I mean? That's scary. They're dangerous, right? They're dangerous. And so here at our church, here at our church, now bear with me, okay? We got a lot of, we got a lot of young families here, right? A lot of young families. Uh, a lot of children are running around our church. Uh, I think sometimes we got more teethers than we got tithers, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and so, but that's a sign of health. Young people is a sign, sign of health. It really is. And so there are kids everywhere. Me and Amanda, we've got a kid do any day now. I really keep hoping that it'll happen on a Sunday so that our, our son will be able to say, I was born literally in church. You know what I'm saying? That'd be amazing to me, I think. Uh, but she doesn't want to do that. She'd be embarrassed. And so, uh, but I mean, I got this boy. So let's just say, let's just say that our son is born and I missed the birth because I was cutting down a tree. I don't know why I would do that, but that's just hypothetically. Put your imagination on. Let's pretend like this thing's running. So I'm cutting down this tree. I missed the birth. Somebody calls me, and I'm like, hey, uh, what's going on? They say, your wife just gave birth. So I have to rush to the hospital. I've got to rush to the hospital. So if I went to the hospital, and I had still had this in my hand, and I run up in the hospital, where's my kid? What's going to happen to me? Security's going to shoot me right? But let's just say I make it by security because I'm in, uh, I'm just in a hurry. And I go up in the, I go up in the room. I'm like, Amanda, where's my son? What's she going to do? She's going to look at me like I done bumped my head and something's wrong with me. She's not going to let me hold this, that kid, right? While I got this in my hands, right? Because can you imagine if I picked up the baby and I'm like, oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. You're so cute. Oh, you smell. Oh, you smell so good. Oh, honey, he's got something on his face. Let me get that right there. I mean, no, right? Right? That would not be good, right? Right? Here's what I want you to realize. What's in my hand determines what I can hold. What's in my hand right now determines what I can hold in the future. 
And what I want you to see, look at what Jesus says in Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You pick up a cross. You got to let that other stuff go. You pick up a cross. You know what Jesus, you know what Jesus is doing right there? He's not sugarcoating his call to follow him. He's not. He's inviting us to die and die daily. It's an invitation to an everyday death. Now, the people who were hearing Jesus say this for the very first time, they got it. They understood what picking up a cross meant. See, see, we don't really understand this because, because the cross has become something different in our society. The cross has become a symbol that we, we put around our neck. Some people put in their ear for like earrings. But when the original hearers, the Jewish people heard this, when they heard Jesus say, pick up a cross, they, they knew that Jesus wasn't talking about a piece of jewelry. They knew that. These people knew what it meant. They had seen a cross. They had seen people be crucified. They had heard the sounds of people being crucified. They got it, but we didn't. We don't. We actually have to go back and study what it actually meant so that we can truly understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. See, the first thing that the disciples and the people hearing this from Jesus would have realized was that Jesus was calling them to humiliation. He was. See, the Romans had created this, this type of, of gauntlet, this line that you had to walk through when you were going to be crucified. And while you were going through that, you know what I mean? They would, they would just, they would try to humiliate you. They would throw things at you. They would hit you. They would spit on you. They, they didn't want you just to suffer. They wanted you to suffer in front of other people. They wanted to humiliate you. And so when Jesus is saying, follow me and pick up your cross, he was saying, you cannot flirt with ego or pride and be a follower of mine. You have to be a person who has died to the thought that self is important. Think about it. Over and over and over again, the Bible teaches us to consider others as more important than ourselves. to be a servant. Make yourself a servant. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you can't care what other people think because that thought will keep you from following me. The original hearers understood that. They knew that Jesus was calling them to humiliation, and they also knew that Jesus was, call, was calling them to intense suffering. Now, in the day and time in which we live, we want to avoid suffering at all costs, right? We do. We want to avoid it. Man, if you've got to go to the dentist now to get some work done, what do they do? They give you a shot, right, to numb the pain. Why? They want you to, they want you to avoid it. And actually, nowadays, before they even give you that shot to numb your mouth, they put some sort of dab or something on there to, to numb the spot where you're going to be getting a shot. There's TVs there. There's music playing. Why? Because they want to they distract you from the pain. They want to distract you. There's, there's, they'll, they'll give you drugs. They'll give you all this stuff. They want to distract you from the pain. They do. See, when Jesus says this, they understood, again, what crucifixion was. Because the Romans didn't invent crucifixion. The Greeks did. But the Romans perfected it. They perfected crucifixion. Greek soldiers would, 
would, would hang their opposition. They would hang criminals from, from trees. They would hang people. But what would happen is the individual who was being crucified would pass out, and they would basically die. They would just die because of the elements. They, they, your body would do what the natural response was to intense pain, and it would just pass out, pass out. Well, the Romans thought that's way too easy. That's way too easy. It's way too fast. They thought, what if we can come up with some sort of way to where you're staying awake while you're enduring all this pain? And so they came up with this crossbar that stretched you out further, and they tied, they tied your wrist around that crossbar. Then they put nails in there. They put nails in there. And re- literally what would happen is you would, your body would get to the point to where you wanted to faint. But every time you would go to faint, your, your body would say, you know what, if I faint right here, I'm going to suffocate. My diaphragm is going to get too fatigued. So you would literally re- reawaken yourself. Reawaken yourself. Your body was in a continuous, torturous cycle that would keep you awake during the most excruciating pain. The fact that Jesus suffered so much, filling his lungs just with air to breathe makes it so much more impressive that several times as he hung on the cross, he didn't just, he didn't just fill his lungs with air to breathe. He filled his lungs with air to speak, to speak. He, he had so much love for the Father and so much love for us that, that as he is going through intense pain to breathe, he speaks and he says things like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he utters the most powerful words that have ever been uttered on this earth when Jesus said, it is finished. And I'm wrapping up. I know we've been a little long. But the people hearing Jesus say this, they, they had seen people crucified. They had seen men forced to be crucified by the Romans. They knew that the cross was humiliating. They knew that the cross was intense suffering. They had seen many, many, many people crucified. And for every person they had seen walk up the hill to be crucified, you know what they had never seen? They had never seen anybody walk up that hill to be crucified and then walk back. So they understood what Jesus was saying. They understood that Jesus was saying following him is a one-way street. It's a one-way street. And that's what's hard for us to grasp. Because we live in a world that says avoid humiliation, avoid suffering, avoid death. Our world says choose comfort, choose greed, choose pride, hold on to those things. Why in the world would you want to be humiliated? Why in the world would you want to suffer and die daily? Why take up your cross? Well, if you do it because other people want you to, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're doing it just to make your spouse happy, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're doing it because you just think it's good for you, you won't do it very long. The only reason that you and I should take up our cross and follow Christ is because he first took up his cross for us. That's why. 
Jesus said anyone can follow him, and by anyone he meant everyone. He had this intense passion for us, for everyone, that caused him to look at us and say, I will deny myself. And not just some little thing am I going to deny myself of. I'm going to deny myself of a big thing. My, my very position with the Father in heaven. I will become like you in every way. Fully man. Jesus says, I will pick up my cross so you can be forgiven. And so that, you, so that I can proclaim over your life truly that it is finished. I have found a way for you and I to be together for eternity. Why should we take up our cross? Because he's already taken up his cross for us. And that's what really following Christ looks like. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But right now I'm praying that there's someone here who would finally understand that when God says anyone can follow him, he's talking about you. I'm praying today that there are going to be some people who are going to decide, you know what, I'm going to passionately pursue Christ. I'm praying today that there are some people who are going to say, you know what, I'm going to deny myself of those little things and I'm going to be willing to die to self every day. And so if you're here today and you know for a fact that you need to give your life to Christ, this is the day that you're going to accept that invitation that anyone can follow him. If you know today you need to be saved, I'm going to ask right where you are that you lift your hand because I want to pray for you. Amen. You know today is the day. Amen. Look, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask that you pray with me. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. I pray that you would come into my heart, that you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Father, today I confess you as Lord. Make me into a new creation. Help me be a light in this dark world. And help me, Father, to follow you daily. I also want to pray for each of us in the room, God. Help us be more passionate about you. Help us deny ourselves. Help us show the world what following, following you really looks like. Pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.